Kevin did it in 15 seconds as the seventh station in a 10 station race. One of my guys was there refereeing and was able to see the screen readout and you were going over, I think it was like 126 RPMs. Even among these elite racers that are professional racers, you just don't see that. And he did that 15 or 16 seconds in all five of your championship races. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. We have a treat for you decamaniacs out there today and all you fitness enthusiasts because today on the show, we got a world champion. We got somebody with six world championships under his belt now. Is it six? Is that right, Kevin? Six of them? Yeah. Wow. Kevin Bubbles Gregory. Welcome to the show, 11-year OCR veteran. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Travis and Ricardo. It's a pleasure to be here and see the journey brand all over the uh, hybrid and Spartan space. I know there's, I didn't realize there was a bunch of locations at first. I just like, wow, that gym is a lot of people. But now I've come to know this. You guys have a lot of different uh, locations. So that 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 makes sense. But it's, it's cool to see the huge following you guys have and, and all getting out there and challenging yourselves and doing doing stuff so yeah well thank you very much for that and you know i'm honored to have ricardo be the co-host of today's show because nobody does it better uh than ricardo ricardo has been somebody that's just fully embraced uh deca at his facility and put on events outside his facility that are just world class when uh the uh, Spartan folks like Yancey and whomever, you know, see it, they're like, oh my God, is that a deck of fit or is that just a deck of mile? You know, because I mean, it looks like something that they would put on themselves. So, uh, Ricardo, thanks for being here as a co host today. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, I appreciate it. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Kevin, hey, you know, I always love to start out just so that the audience can get to know you a little bit. Um, Tell us a little bit about where your journey began into this world of OCR challenges and championships. Well, it goes way back to uh, 2010s, I guess. Uh, I I played college sports. I played Division three lacrosse and wrestled up at Oneonta State in New York. So I know there's a lot of journeys in New York. They they know where that is. Uh, no journeys in Oneonta, and I wouldn't put one there anyway because there's not enough uh, people there to uh, support a fitness business as I found out but uh after college I started playing uh semi-pro football and just trying to figure out what was next um you get so used to going to practice every day and whatever the season that is you go to class go to practice go to class go to practice play the games on the weekends and then once you get out of that routine it's like all right I'm an adult now like what's next like you get a job obviously but you're not scratching that competitive itch um trying to figure out why to go to the gym uh is it, it might be fun to go, but 
without purpose or there's no drive, it's like, okay, well, I guess it's Monday. I'll do chess today, but there's nothing pulling you along and it just becomes monotonous like everything else. And then, um, you know, the rest of your lifestyle kind of suffers because you don't have anything kind of holding your, helping you hold yourself accountable to making smart decisions, whether it's nutrition, exercise, or mental health, um, which I think is very under undervalued in a benefit of fitness and whatnot. So semi-pro football is cool for a bit, scratch an itch, but I realized that I actually played for a team that was based out of, it was Oneonta, but then they moved to Binghamton, so the Broome County team. Uh, so I know a lot of, uh, met a lot of people with that, but the drive just wasn't there. Like I have always been like, got to train to perform on the field. So that way when game time comes, we have the best chance to win. And it was more of like a cool guys club that like to socialize and then play a little football. So that like put me as like one of the better players on the team, but it also frustrated me because we weren't winning. I'm like, if you guys would just get your heads out of your butts, work out at least a couple days a week and show up to practice. We win games. We're not losing because we're we're not like good enough. We're losing because you guys don't have any preparation leading in. So um in that time I also discovered Spartan Race and I think my first my first race was a Warrior Dash in twenty eleven at Wyndham Mountain. So I'm sure there's some journey people that have made it to that. Um then I did a tough mutter in New Jersey, November of that year, uh with some some buddies. Now Warrior Dash was the day after I played in one of these football games. And after football games, you guys go out and celebrate and you stay until the bar closes and then you go home and go to bed. Well, when you got to be up early to go to this race in OCR, which anybody who's done an OCR, whether they were in like the best state of mind, else, whatever at the time, the first one just knocks you off your rocker because you have no idea what to expect. And I'm not saying Warrior Dash is super hard, but given my abilities in running, which is very minimal, um, I was a, I was a lineman in football, and if you don't know what that is, it's the big fat guys that push each other around, and then all the other little guys get to make all the plays. So not that I was like big roly poly when I was playing semi pro, but I also wasn't um, one of the skill position players that was like a wide receiver, running back, or whatnot. So um, the uh, first first endeavor was uh, a five k, which I had run a five k like locally, but not competitively. And then they put on a mountain, which I'd never done any running up and down a mountain. So this like kicked my butt so bad. And the, uh, the obstacles were not that looking back. It's like, it was a joke. Like you could have set this up in your backyard with a picnic table and some two by fours. But at the time, like this is something I've never seen before. So, um, it beat me up pretty good. Also, uh, the combination of no sleep, probably very dehydrated and maybe a massive headache to start the day. But, um, my friends that I, my college buddies are. You're saying for our listeners, Kevin, if they've ever felt like they got their butt kicked by an OCR event, maybe didn't even go back, there's still hope for them to maybe be a world champion someday, right? <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when if you put the time in. That's what I've learned. Uh, so I I did, my friends and I went to Warrior Dash with, we signed up for Top Mutter. I'd never heard of it, but they were like, oh, I saw this thing on Facebook. It's Facebook ads, like we're just starting. And there, I was like, oh, cool. Like, what's that? This is really hard. And they're like, oh, it's 13 miles. I'm like, my head exploded. I'm like, sir, who would ever want to run for 13 miles? This is insane. And then there's obstacles and uh, the close. So I was definitely afraid of dying and not being able to complete this. So I trained very hard based on like the printout, the Tough Mudder like training guide that they had at the time. And then we went to this race in New Jersey 
in November when it was rather rather cold. There was quite a few water crossings. Lots of people got hypothermia. Uh, we showed up pretty prepared and we competed. Well, it wasn't a race. You didn't get a timing chip, but we we competed. We did the course. We competed against ourselves and and the course, and we finished. And um, that that was super hard, but very um, fulfilling to complete something that we didn't think we. I mean, I knew we'd eventually like be able to do it, but we also took more time to prepare leading in. And um, then the next year, we're just looking for what else we can do, and found Spartan Race, and then we did a tuxedo, which all the New York people that raced tuxedo back in the day know that that was the hardest sprint there's ever been. And now the course is not uh not in the series anymore. Um, but that that was kind of my introduction to OCR. And um, it it was definitely a lot harder than I initially saw it. But then the more you do it, the more it becomes like you you know what to expect. You meet other cool people that kind of drag you along. And then I laugh now because I, I just run into regular people in life, my family, friends, people that come in and out of our gym or I just cross paths with the store and like, oh, you do those crazy mud races. I could never do that. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, why why can't you do anything? Why, why wouldn't you be able to do that? I'm like, oh, well, I got name whatever problem they have. Like they have asthma or they have a bum ankle or whatever it is. And I just like laugh inside and then I like have to share it like in a nice way. But I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that, that's pretty bad. It reminds me of the scene in Dodgeball where the guy's telling Lance Armstrong why he uh, he just can't, can't possibly go to the Dodgeball tournament. And Lance's like, yeah, I mean, I lost a testicle and I mean – yeah, it must be pretty bad then if you guys if you you can't do it because we we you go to the Spartans you go to Decas you see people with missing legs arms they're doing it they're doing it they got a smile on their face and yeah. um you meet dozens of people that you don't even know their journey until after the fact we're like oh they're a really good athlete and then you talk to them and like yeah I lost a hundred pounds like within the last three years and this is this is the best feeling ever because they have this huge personal win and that's the stuff that keeps me coming back and and drive to like help the new people like get through the first whatever event and then get them to come back so that way they can train better for the next one and then they have something on the calendar it gives them purpose in the gym it gives them a reason to make smarter decisions in the kitchen and it's not about being on any restrictive diet or crazy training plan it's a matter of just making a few better decisions each week and that compounds over time to to put you in a better position so i can just rage on about my whole career but that's that's the way it started so i try to like package it up nicely for you well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, as you touched on some of those aspects of what it's like to go to an OCR event, immediately what came to mind was the Oscar Mike folks, you know, they're always carrying and, you know, have some uh, wounded warriors with them. You know, it could be somebody that, you know, had to be an amputee and is going through there with a uh, just one leg. You know, it's a, it's just amazing to watch. And you're right. There's a ton of stories out there. I love how you said that as an athlete, you were searching for something that would still keep you accountable. And that's where you found this. I remember finding Spartan. I was part of the pilot program for Spartan coaches. And there was that video, uh, Rocky's talking in the background. <laughs> maybe you still got something you still want to do, you know? And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe I do, you know? And uh, it is. It's for uh, these types of events are, are for people to challenge themselves and maybe meet themselves again. Maybe it's a journey of uh, self-discovery, you know, discovering that you still have something left there and keeping yourself accountable with some good goals. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, how did it lead to DECA? So I, uh, 
wanted to keep getting better. And like, I love the graphics Spartan created. They, I know why they did this because psychologically it's going to attract people like me that are just like, okay, I beat that level. What's the next level? Like whether you played video games or whatever it is like, okay, I beat the sprint. What's next? All right. The super. All right. I beat the super. And my beat at the time it was just finishing and that was huge. All right. I did the beast. All right. What's next? The ultra beast. All right. I did that. Actually, I failed the first time and then I trained a whole year to go back and then I got that. But then what's next? So I basically like just chased those, um, I guess, uh, accomplishments over the years. Get the try. And then I was like, oh, I did the super or I did the sprint and the beast one year, but I missed the super because I didn't go to like New Jersey because I was doing something else. And then at the end of the year, I was like, ah, oh, I could have got a trifecta if I just went there. So the next year I got to get a trifecta and then two trifectas and three and six and whatever. And you see these people getting like, 30 trifectas and they have this like 300 pound weight hanging from their neck these days with the the medals but the i one step was completing longer races so mentally like leveling up and challenging yourself but the other step was placement so tough mutters were fun i did a bunch of those but there's no timing chip so unless you do world's toughest which i also did because i'm like oh another level of competition let me go see how far I can run in 24 hours and do obstacles. Um, there's no competition in regular Tough Mudders for the most part. There's a couple other little events they have now. But Spartan had that, that timing chip, and I chased that and chased that. And then bef- back in the day, it was open or elite. So you could just be an elite if you signed up early and paid 30 bucks. So I would race in elite. And there's usually like, back in the day, there was 300 people in the corral. Like all these people and... They're just going out there and, and hammering. And I'm like, I'm not a mountain runner. I'm 235 pounds and I'm in good shape, but that's just my size. I'm not going to shrink down to like 5'8", 165 and be running with like Hobie and Cody. But the I started by gauging my my improvements on like percentage of, of finishers, I guess. So if there was 300 finishers and I came in the top, if I was like 199th, then I was like, all right, I'm in the top two thirds. Six, whatever 66 percent whatever that that percentage was my gauge and then the next race okay where did i land and then i like worked really hard so i could get in the top 100 in a weekend um now it's a little easier because you got age group categories so you don't have to just get excited because you got top 100 like you can get top 50 or top 10 or depending on the age group and the depth you might even you can get on a podium in your first year because you're decent and that just happens to be like the level of competition in your age group. But, um, so that was kind of my process there. I hired coaches. I worked at the ANSI actually, I know everyone knows him. So I worked with him for a bit. I worked with Richard Diaz. I worked with another guy, Shane, that was, um, in between there somewhere. He was a division one track athlete at Siena college in Albany. And that's what I needed work on. I learned from Yancey. I need to stop going to CrossFit six days a week because I'm not failing obstacles. So why am I spending all my training time getting stronger? And then I lose to all these runners. I need to do a better job of becoming a better runner. And because Spartan is like 90% running or more, if you think about it, time. So that, like working with coaches and getting their perspective on things of where to put my time and training. And then climbing, like working with Richard Diaz is like, I'm not going to help you get better at everything. It's not going to work. You need to specialize. So we dialed it up to ultra distances. So I did some beasts a lot of ultras in the 24 hour races. And then eventually I was like, all right, I, I'm happy with how I'm doing there, but I want to do better and fast stuff. So then I switched to stadions. And then after that, um, 
we like jacket high rocks started coming out and i was like "Ooh, that looks cool way less running so we're taking my biggest weakness out and i just get to do stations uh so that's kind of how i found deca just like being in the spartan brand i've done almost everything they've had except for like death race i know i probably should just do that so i can check that last mountain off the off the board but having deca and then trying something new and it's short and fast and intense and then training specifically for that and seeing where I could get my times down to because now we're like Spartan. If you race the same race two years in a row, your time could be completely different. It might be a 20 minutes slower, but you were actually better, be but they changed the course. So you don't ever have apples to apples comparison where Deca is a lot more yeah. um, apples to apples because it's a it's more, the word escapes me. It's a more sterile environment. That's what I was looking for. So whether you go to one gym or the next gym, hopefully the gym's like set up the the station's pretty similar barring like extremes you're gonna pretty much have a comparable time to see progress so that's kind of how i found deca absolutely i i look at deca as like the new you can measure your body fat you can measure your inches you can measure your weight you finally have a really good measurement of your cardiovascular strength fitness performance against your age group and go globally with it you know so to me i think it's like putting on the fitness blood pressure cuff and saying hey where are you at you know uh really good i know now that we're on to the uh you arriving at the deca uh, i know ricardo probably has some questions here centered around uh your journey into becoming a world champion so i, I want to give my co-host here a chance to ask some questions well, uh, so we got to meet you, Journey got to encounter you at the World Championship in uh, Atlanta City, uh, and uh, that was the year 2022. You won uh, the Deck of Fit uh, Teams competition, and for those that don't know, the Deck of Fit is the 10 Deca Functional Fitness Deca stations, uh, each of them preceded by 500 meters of run. And uh, when you're doing that as an individual, obviously you have to do all the running and the 10 stations by yourself. But when you do it as a team, uh, you can divide that up however you want, with the exception that the pair has to run the first 500 meters and the last 500 meters together. So just so people understand what's happening, you're, you're running 500 meters and doing uh, a functional fitness station and then 500 and another all the way through. And uh, you... Uh, raced uh, that heat and brought home uh, your first world championship in the deck of spear. Uh, so just walk us through Atlantic City and what that was like because you were also competing as an elite athlete in, uh, I believe, in all three. If my is that right? Close. Uh, I qualified in elite for strong mile, and then age group for fit. Age group, but I did compete in all all three plus the relay. So last year it was over two days. So we had the fit and then the fit relay on Saturday and then the mile and the strong on Sunday. And uh, my goal initially, I was like, wow, there's going to be a championship. There's a leaderboard. You qualify to compete in this race. Great. Love it. I've competed at Lake Tahoe. I've competed at Iceland, um, Killington. I've gotten, I haven't gotten to Abu Dhabi, but I basically like, the end of the year there's all these championship events so you want to train and race all year and qualify for things well DACA like it's the same but I was like wow this is here and I'm really good at this so I actually have a chance to like make a name for myself and the the strong's my best uh best 
discipline, I would say, best distance in DECA. Um, I'm decent at the mile. And then the fit, the fit, I like the fit. I'm just not as good of a runner as I need to be to compete with the top dogs yet. So last year I was like, I want to, I qualify for everything. I'm going to race everything. I want to go and just throw down in every category. And, uh, my, so I ran the age group fit, did okay. And then the team relay. So I qualified with a, and broke the co-ed relay record during the season at the New Jersey decade fit with Cassandra Omen, then Carol, like that's her maiden name is Omen, but now she's Cassandra Carol, who is a standout performer in the stadium series. So her and I teamed up. I've known her husband since the 2015 Spartan Combine. And um, we teamed up and we broke the best rec- the record for best time ever for a co-ed relay team. So that was my partner for the dance. We're going to world championships. Uh, but in the time after that, she had an Achilles injury and she got treatment for from September until November. And she just couldn't get herself back to a place where she was going to be able to compete. Her doctor wouldn't clear her. And she's just like torn up because she's like, this is my chance to like compete the world stage. I know we're going to win, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, we stay in communication. I was like rooting for her to come back, obviously. But then at the last minute, she's like, I can't go. So I show up to Atlantic City without a partner. And last year, you just you could just take another partner. So I was like, who do I want to ask? I need someone that fits her skill set. So that way, that allows me to perform my strengths and then have my partner take care of my weaknesses. And um, I found this nice girl from Long Island who happened to be a Olympic half marathon qualifier named Laura Cummings. And I was like, yeah, sounds like you have the skill set I need. And she's like, so I was like, hey, do you want to run doubles later? I know you just did this fit. Do you want to run it as a team? We have a really good shot to win, um, but I do need a partner. Otherwise, I can't compete. And she's like, oh, what do you need me to do? And I was like, run, 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 do a little ski, run, 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 and that's it. Maybe a couple of burpees. She's like, okay, cool. All right, I'll be back at 3 o'clock. I'm like, deal. Here's my number. Let's stay in touch. I got to, we'll register later. So she filled in for Cassandra. We raced, we took first place, and um, had a great time. So then coming into this year, they changed the rule because there was a bunch of controversy with people bringing in a ringer, swapping out partners. And for me, it worked out. I wasn't making a big deal of it because it worked to my benefit, but other teams that like qualified together and stayed together then didn't win or didn't place as high, and they got beat by a team that had a sub or whatever. So um, Yancey changed the rule this coming into 2023 for Dallas. And I was like, all right, I got to qualify with more partners. So I got options because if I have another injury, then I don't want to get knocked out of worlds because I don't have a partner, uh, which came in handy because I qualified with this guy from Canada and he didn't come to worlds. I qualified with Laura again and she didn't come to worlds because she just got married and she was in the Academy for, uh, for work. So she's like, I'm not going to fly down there for one, one event and I'm like totally okay got it um I qualified with um Karen Gidry but she had another partner so she ran a few fits so she qualified elsewhere as well and then I found my world championship partner for 2023 um at the Orlando fit I was judging the women's elites after I raced men's elite and I was like all right I know Tara I know Meg I know Camilla I know was the other one um Vivian 
well, who's this fifth place girl? This girl that's in fifth right now who's hanging with all of them. I've never seen her before. Who is that? And Yancey's like looking at the list. He's like, I think that's Lauren, Lauren Griffith. And I was like, sure. So I follow her because I'm like, the judges are bouncing along and I see her skiing and there's a guy in her face with a camera like on the outside spectating. And I was like, excuse me, are you like her boyfriend or husband? Or He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, not right now, but do you think she'll want to run doubles later? And he's like, I think so. Oh, but I'll ask her. I'm like, not do it. I'll have to do it right now. She's obviously racing. I'll just catch up with you guys later. I need a partner and I want to win. We'll probably win, but I need a good partner. And she looks like she's holding her own. So that'll be good. So we teamed up. We, uh, we didn't break the record because Rich Ryan and Meg Jacoby, uh, have it right now. They broke the record in Philly. Um, but what is that? Record? I rate, what is that record? I believe it's 2554. And we ran a 26 flat at World Championships. No, 24-25-56. We're four seconds off the record, Lauren and I. But we, um, in 2023, we we led basically wire to wire. So we're like, we just want to win. And then at the end, we're like, ah, oh, we probably could have pushed a little harder if we if we needed to. But they didn't. There was no benefit of breaking the record other than just bragging rights. So, yeah. But um. That's still an amazing record. Like for our listeners to realize that this is putting a 5K, right? Five, no, wait a second. What are we doing here? 5K with 10 exercises. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, like, I feel like I'd be doing really good just to run the three miles by themselves and come in at that time. You know, like I feel like that, that's really good, <laughs> let alone stopping to do 10 different exercises along the way. I mean, that that's amazing. You know, really good. All right, back to you. Sorry, I had to interrupt on that one. No, yeah. Yeah, so that that's uh that's my story of relays, but in 2023, I ran with Lauren Laura Cummings and then we won and then I ran uh the Elite Strong. I was the 3 seed for the year, so I had like high aspirations for podium. Um didn't have my best race. I blame it all on mental errors because I had an unexpected uh issue with the rower. The foot straps were tighter than I would have ex- would have liked them to be and that I expected so I couldn't slide my feet in and instead of in the heat of the race instead of adjusting the foot straps I tried to shove my shoes in they wouldn't then I couldn't get them out and then I hear the rowers going from every single athlete I'm racing and then I had to put the oar down and fix my feet and then I tried to make up the time immediately on the rower which goes completely against my race strategy and then I didn't have what I needed to on the bike so I made a big jump and come back, but I, I finished in sixth in the strong last year. So I was upset to say the least, but not at the other athletes, just like it's kind of a pain that the straps were like that, but really you can only control what you can control. I couldn't control the foot straps. I can control my mind and my reaction. And I was mostly disappointed that I let myself react like that because that drove up my heart rate, cost me way more energy than I needed. And then I didn't get to perform the way I wanted. And then I went out in the mile later in the day and took fifth, which was kind of shocking to me in a positive way because I'm like, all these guys are way better runners than me, and I just took fifth and um, at the the fit or the mile last year. So that was the 2022 story. But yeah. you know, you mentioned being a lineman, very very strategic to partner with the fast runners, right? Because you got the strength for these exercises, and you're partnering with somebody. And when it comes to the mile or the fit or doing a relay. Uh, even in the strong, as you can do a relay for that, um, you can do it any way you want, right? You can divide half 
exercise. You can, you know, a person can do five exercises in a row. You do the other five. And in this case, you know, you had somebody doing the bulk of the running for the speed and, and you got the power when they come in, you know, you're like, okay, I got this, you know? So, uh, uh, it's just good for our listeners to know, uh, that if you are out there and you're wondering, you know, well, I don't know if I could do all that running, or I don't know if I could do that certain exercise. Maybe you need a team, you know? So that, that's, that's good. It's good that you bring that up. Uh, we got a guy in our gym named Mike. He, um, he finished second in his age group at Decker strong championships this year. But his mom used to come and watch him, can like practice and train, and then he competes in our deck of strongs and whatnot. But she's like, I, I want to do this, but I just my knee doesn't work as well. And she's in her sixties, so she's like, she has that like, I'm not an athlete, like all those limiting beliefs in her head. But um, she's like, I think I could do the rower, and I think you do this. So she's like, what What about teams? can we do teams? And Mike's like, yeah, let's go. Like, I'm so excited to do this. So Mike and his mom have raced two or three times. Um, and now this year there's going to be like an age leaderboard where you add your ages together. So now not only is Mike and his mom going to be able to do another deck strong in a couple weeks with us, but now Mike and his mom are going to see where they stack up on the, you know, I guess it's probably 8,200 or hundred to 120. I don't remember her age and his age to know which category they're going to be in, but, that's just like now it gives people that are not like cyborgs and and that kind of thing like i can still get on the leaderboard and it's even if they're like not ready for 10 stations like you just mentioned okay i can do three or four things and i can do a little bit of this i just can't do the full amount now we can team up and you can do what you're good at and then i can kind of cover the rest and i, I was joking i was like mom you and me we got to take over the leaderboard for 100 to 120 you're 63 i'm 37 that puts us up there and I'll need you. She's like, what do you want me to do? I can't do this. And I can't do that. I'm like, it's all right. I'll let you pull the skier three times. I'll do Dr. Strong. And then we'll be up on the leaderboard. <laughs> so, so if you see my mom's name on the leaderboard, make sure you reach out to her on Instagram. Congratulate her on her Dr. Strong uh, mark that she earned. But <laughs> Really good. I love that. And so uh, in 2024, we can expect to see a men's, uh, you know, combined age group team a women's combined age group and a co-ed combined age group, right? That's how they're separating it. You know, 120, you know, whatever. Really cool. That's awesome. You're about 15 categories because you'll have the men's, women, and co-ed in 120 plus, you know, 101 or 100 to 119, 80 to 90, all five age categories. So that yeah. times three. So there's a lot of opportunities for people to get to compete on a high level. It's really that's a really great way to keep yourself, as, as Bubble says here, which we haven't even talked about your nickname. It's a really great way to have something for you always to push for and on the counter and striving for. Um, and, and so, you know, the the fact that there's more opportunities this year for people to do that is just a wonderful thing Decca has done. Ricardo, you brought it up. Are we going there? Are we, are we, we got to. I mean, <laughs> time's uh you, I've seen on uh, social media we'll be doing so DECA has quarterly challenges and facilities get to um, you know team up and usually it's a two or three station challenge and you're with a part anywhere from teams of two to four and it runs for a month you know uh, the last month of every quarter so March, June, September, December and um, sometimes you'll see 
posted on social media that Bubbles and -and so-and-so, here they are. They've taken first place in uh, these categories. So uh, tell us, uh, I actually, I don't think I've probably even called you Kevin five times in my life. Just tell us. All right, everyone, close your eyes real quick and just imagine what I look like as I talk to you. Because if you've seen me, you know what you're looking at. All right, guys, so I really like when I get to team up with different types of people because it gives me an opportunity to figure out how to win with that person and that skill set. And these uh, quarterly challenges are great because everyone wants to be my team because they got a chance to win. But uh, it really just comes down to uh, just having a good time and, and pushing ourselves and doing it a thousand times and not as much as Ricardo because I think he did five little challenges a day for all 30, or actually I guess it was probably like 37 days from Black Friday till New Year's, but uh, it, was a, it was a good time, and, and I just tried to have a good time with it, and that's, that makes just people coming back, you know? <laughs> so where does this voice come from? Oh my goodness. Alright, I'll intersperse I'll the voice, but um, so uh, remember I told you I did all these races back when, and it was fun to do them, but people used to dress up for them. So they'd like get costumes or like a group of a gym will get out the same t-shirt. Maybe they'll make t-shirts or whatever. And it, it's good because you can find your friends when you're all wearing the same t-shirt or color. But my friends and I, we did uh, the Warrior Dash. We didn't really dress up, but everyone else did. So we went to Tough Mudder. We found out there was a costume contest. So we went to Party City the Friday night before the race and bought a bunch of costumes and it was cold and it was almost christmas season so we dressed up as the three santas and then we went to the costume contest before the race and we won and the prize was the season pass we're like oh this is awesome so we took our season passes and we ran the race as the three santas and then we registered next year with our season pass and whatnot and then the next year you come back and more costumes but after a while like you go to party city friday night and you're buying more costume pieces and you're dragging them through the mud and they're getting destroyed and then you i mean we're already spending enough on race entries and race travel and, and hotels and food. Um, but we're like looking for a costume that you can wear more than once. And the masks at the time, cause you think like, oh, latex, that won't melt necessarily. I mean, proven, <laughs> proven untrue at this point, but at the time we're like, it won't melt. It won't, if it gets wet, it's not going to deteriorate and we'll be able to use it more and more and use it over and over. So eventually I came across this chinless clown mask, which has over my mouth. The nose has nostrils. The eyes are sunken in enough that it sits. And I can do anything in this mask. I've raced in Iceland in it. I've raced in Tahoe. I've done the swim. Um, I've done hurricane heats and go rocks and all kinds of things. And I really don't care about clowns. I'm not like, oh, you got to like clowns and whatnot. But the fact that I can wear a mask and I wear it over and over um, allowed me to have fun. Like, I wouldn't necessarily compete in it because you're not going to do as well as if you can breathe 100% and you don't have a latex helmet on. But I used to try to show up to all those NBC races and then like race with the elites in the mask because I want to get on TV. Um, and uh, as long as I got to like hang out around like Lindsay Webster and stay with her, I would, you'd see me in the clips. They try to edit me out, but you couldn't always edit me out. So like, oh, there's my shadow. That's me. That's me. Um, but then I would, after I got more serious, like I would take it off. I would race as me, Kevin. And then I would go back to my bag, throw it on and go out for a fun lap, which is basically just running another lap of the race in the open wave. And you meet a bunch of people. These are all the people that are doing their first race or their second one. And 
they see the clown and then you know it's kind of goofy and you think you're like scaring people but i'm like beyond that now but like oh my friend's afraid of clowns come here take a picture of them like ah (laughs) but um the the joking around and goofing around i found like it really helps distract people when they're doing their three mile race or their six mile race or a 13 mile race and like i was ready to quit and then i you caught caught up and then i was joking around with you for like an hour and then next thing i knew the race was over i'm like thank you so much for getting me through and i'm like really like i'm just goofing around but all right cool but that just was like more of a over and over i kept hearing that and hearing that so that's why i haven't killed bubbles but when i first wore it i just wore the mask and of myself but then i developed a voice and a persona and a lot of jokes and then um yeah now like I've worn this in probably like three or four countries. So like people in other countries know bubbles and then OCRWC, like there's a lot of Europeans that have seen me and um it's so it's kind of like my claim to fame prior to winning Deck of Worlds. This is what people knew me as the clown. Um, but now I got a little like credibility, I guess, on the performance side. So who uh who came up with the name Bubbles? Was that you or somebody give it to you? I think we were just running I was running at the uh the initial the original ohio trifecta in a day race so you did the beast in the morning the super after and then the sprint after that and just jogging along with somebody someone suggested i have a name and then i was like oh i need to come up all right let's throw some ideas out there and i don't remember who said it i can't give the credit i don't think it was me for sure someone said it and i was like i like that one because i'm big and scary but then the clown and then a friendly like name like bubbles I mean, you can't say bubbles without smiling, and uh, <laughs> it's it's stuck. But right, story. and just listening and not not watching. Uh, you know, I guess you could uh, Google Kevin Gregory, but uh, Kevin, what are you six three? Yep, six three and about two thirty five, two hundred forty pounds of nearly all muscle. Uh, so he, you know, he says when he says he's scary looking, he has a physical presence. I mean, Kevin is this big muscular dude you know show he'd be probably would have to use two of my suit coats i mean he's just a big (laughs) and uh and so yeah he puts on this uh this mask and starts calling himself bubbles and then all of a sudden a lot more relatable uh (laughs) what's intimidating anyway (laughs) i love it yeah i i love hearing people like memories of the first time they met me and a lot of times like i'll get a message from somebody and like oh do you remember i met you in where was it where was it and then they like rattle off cities and i'm like yep i was there no i wasn't there i was there was it seattle was it i wasn't at sacramento but and they're like wait maybe it was texas and i'm like because i've i've flown all over the place to, to race but they the the memories people have of like the first time they met me or or something like that sticks and i think of other like um the personas of the other other athletes like the painted spartan or whatever his name was steve steven Sinek or something from socal he was the painted spartan so he him and his girlfriend or whatever they did full body paint and he was like this you'd see him like oh that's the guy from from the videos or whatever and then like in the northeast we had luke walsh who was always wearing the spartan cape and the kilt and then he'd have the the whole get up and like they're I think of like the the mythical creatures in like Santa Claus or something. Like there's the Sandman, there's the Tooth Fairy. It's like no, there's Luke, there's Bubbles, there's this person, there's that person, um, and just you know, 
playing dress up, running around in our underwear, getting dirty and having a blast. Yeah, but I love the way that you team up and I love the way you keep it fun. Yeah, thanks for doing that. That that adds like a culture that I want to be part of too. So thank you for that. Um, I, I know we probably won't dive into the meat there, Ricardo. You probably got some tips. Well, you know, so a world championship, I, I want to talk about a couple of things at world championship. Um, I mean, you and I were talking. I mean, you and I have gotten to know each other. I'm yeah. friends with Jess and... Uh, my kids have repped you a lot, and uh, and even police has raced you in some of these uh, uh, team relays at different deck of fits. So there's been this uh, relationship developing over time. But I got to uh, talk to you a little bit before World Championship when we were helping set up. And then during World Championship, um, you went out there and uh, – showed people what was possible uh that i mean you blew the doors off of expectations and uh so the just for people that aren't familiar the bike is the seventh station in a 10 station race uh so you know by the time you get to station seven you can imagine there's uh you know you've spent a lot of energy you still have a significant portion of the race to go and it's 25 calories on an air bike that has a big fan um, for good athletes, really solid athletes, they're doing that from anywhere from 55 to 65 seconds. Um, more average athletes are taking more like 90 seconds to two minutes. Um, Kevin did it in 15 seconds. Um, 15, that's one five, uh, at, as the seventh station in a 10 station race. Um, one of my guys uh, was there refereeing and was able to see the see the screen read out, and you were going over, I think it was like 126 RPMs. Does that sound right? That sounds about right. Yeah. So even among these elite racers that are professional racers, you just don't see that. And he did that. I think you got 15 or 16 seconds in all five of your championship races. Is that right? Yeah, and probably my other two that I didn't win. I ran seven races uh, at Worlds. I I didn't win the men's elite mile, and I didn't win the men's relay mile. But I still had good performances on the bike. I just I didn't I didn't win. It was it was crazy. I either won or I finished pretty low. And I I still uh, I I enjoyed those other races, but I was like, wow. Well, let's talk about that bike for a second because. It's called the assault bike, and and I do feel assaulted by it. All right, so let's talk about that. Like when I pedal fast enough to just reach the ninety RPMs, which is about <laughs> I don't know thirty below what you were just saying, uh, maybe even a little above thirty below. I mean, I get off that thing and I feel like I'm about to lose control of all my bodily functions. Right, like I feel like I've just been assaulted. I'm like that thing just whooped me and threw me into a corner, you know, and you can go through all these stations and then take it up to 126 some RPMs and do it in 15 seconds. Did that just come naturally or was there a type of training that you did to, to be able to do that? Uh, I think I've been figuring out the training. Uh, so the first time I ever did deck is strong, we became an affiliate in 2021. And I'll, as soon as my equipment came in, I'm like, I'm setting this thing up. Like I just bought a box of like a game at the, <laughs> it's like, I just came home with a video game. Like, Oh, I got to set this up and I want to play. 
Uh, so I'm like, I'm laying out all the equipment and whatnot. And I did my first deck is strong, just time trial by myself in like 1445 or something. I was like, all right, I like this. This is cool. I can't wait to like get better. And, um, I don't remember my time on the bike that day, but just like you said, I felt, I didn't even know the numbers. I had no perspective, but I got off the bike and I was like, oh my God, oh, terrible. I was pedaling, feeling like I was going nowhere. Um, for sure, like probably a minute and a half to two minutes on the bike, just because you could pedal hard, but you just crash and burn real quick. So, um, as I've, as I've gotten better, I've kind of realized the, um, you can get better at all the stations, your fitness will get better, but looking at, I guess last year leading into worlds, I was studying the other people that had better times than me. And for a while, there's a lot of people with better times than me. So I was like, okay, they're, they're all named Ryan for some reason, but, uh, there's a Ryan Corning and a Ryan Chen and a Rylan and a, a rich Ryan and a this Ryan and a that Ryan. Um, <laughs> but the, the best one, like, there's videos on YouTube. So I'm like watching Ryan Kent's record break the attempt and watch what he's doing. And I'm watching Ryan Corning and Ryan. And then all of them like had times that were very similar. And then Ryan Corning beat that record by like 20 seconds or something. And it went from like everybody's group here to all of a sudden one outlier. And I was like, Ryan Corning, what did you improve on to gain 20 seconds? Cause everyone's been like, banging their head against the wall to shave off like a second and he's like no nah, man it i mean i didn't really get better at anything what just the bike i did better on the bike and i was like hmm, how long did it take you and i think at that time it was like a minute and i was like oh man i got my bike down to a minute and 18 and i thought that was good well that makes sense if he's doing a minute i'm doing a minute and 18 there's that 20 seconds like i can make a big jump too and that gave me the beliefs in my heart that i'm like okay i'm not saying uh, ryan corning is I'm not saying I'm a better athlete than him, but I'm also saying there's no way he's that much better of an athlete than me. I just got to put the time in. And then watching the other athletes that were like putting up those decent times, the bike times were coming down and coming down. And then um, Kent's time came down. And then I got my time down to like 60 seconds. I'm like, yes, I'm there. And then someone else's time, like I see Corning put up a better time. I'm like, whoa, is your bike now? He's like 50. And I'm like, oh, I got to. The goalpost moved. I got to get better. And so that, like, our dialogues throughout, and he's in Jacksonville, so it's not like I'd see him. I've seen him, like, a handful of times ever. But just, like, people are like, oh, you're so responsive. You help people. I'm like, yeah, I help people because other people help me. The people that are completely, like, a-holes and don't want to answer your messages, I get people are busy and whatever. But if if they have a chance to answer you and you don't, then why, like, I don't know. Enough people have given me the time of day that I'm like, I have to like at least acknowledge people when they reach out. And maybe I I don't have like, here's the magic formula, but I can acknowledge you. And like, here's a couple things for you to play with. So that's kind of how the, the bike got a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got to go deeper on that help. Then uh, I want you to give our listeners some help. You started off as what Ricardo calls an a- an average athlete. You were like around a minute and a half or uh, maybe closer to two minutes, right? And so yeah. now you're a 15-second athlete. I got two questions. The, the first question is, how much time did you spend on that bike or how much time do you spend on the bike on a regular basis? You know, what does that look like? Is it like, you know, uh, high-intense interval trainings, long rides, whatever that got you there? And then I want to know what that 15 seconds looks like because uh, I don't want to 
I mean, uh, you start off in the standing position, driving down with all you got and ripping and roaring as a pulling and pushing, just as important as the pedaling. I mean, tell me what's going on in those 15 seconds. So how did you train for it and, and what happens those 15 seconds? All right, so first, how did you train for it? You got to be comfortable on it, but there's so many things people miss. Like people don't know how to set their seat up and you think like, oh, if I can touch the pedals, I'm good. But there's more to it. If your seat's too far back, then you're not engaging the right musculature. Or if your seat's too far forward, the arms are going to hit you in the hips. And then if your quads, if the seat's too low, your quads blow up. And if your quads blow up, they're rendering themselves useless. And then what are you going to do? 25 cows just with the arms? It's not, it's not going to pay off. So the low-hanging fruit here is figure out how to set your bike up properly. And that's going to make a big difference. Completely separate of fitness. Uh, then number two, like I don't spend... I mean, I guess over Christmas break, I spent a lot of miles on the bike because uh, there's a salt bike, like ride 100 miles this week. And then Joe DeSantis like, oh, ride 20 miles a day on the salt bike. So I did a lot of volume there, but this is all just casual effort miles. But in order to improve your salt bike, you have to figure out what your tolerance is. And it's a new discipline, right? Like we, you, you run and you play soccer, you play football, you play baseball, you got to run for these sports. I'm not saying everyone runs well. Most people run terribly, so you can improve that. But people have run before. The salt bike with the arms, it's not the same as pedaling just a regular bicycle. So it's a new, I guess, a, you got to acquire a new taste for it and figure out what, how hard, hard you can push before you blow up. Because maybe you can run with a heart rate of 165, not indefinitely, but for quite a while. But if you get your heart rate to 165 on the bike because you're not conditioned in that modality, that's way over your red line. That would be equivalent to you ride, running like 185 heartbeat, which that's when you get the side stitch. That's when you feel like your guts are going to come out. That's when your legs stop working. Your body shuts you down. So there's that. There's a lot of science behind like, which I, I won't go into here. I need a board. But the so if you think about you're on the race, you're doing 25 calories. So obviously you can do 25 calories and see where you're at. You want a baseline. But then hit smaller chunks of that our energy systems are pretty good at going pretty hard for 20 to 30 seconds after that it's a huge drop in performance so if you're hitting the bike pretty hard for that time frame take i mean if you're new to it take a really long break after that because your body's not going to recover as fast as you eventually wanted to but you need to kind of see what your rpms you can get them up to like you mentioned you can get them up to what 96 or something yeah, 96 is probably the highest I've ever gotten. And that doesn't last. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would ask you, like, how many seconds does it take you to get to 96? And then by the time you crash and burn, like, how long is that whole window? So if it takes you 10 seconds to get to 96, but you die in 15 seconds, then, all right, you should keep your intervals shorter than 15 seconds. That way you're not hanging in there so long that you're overwhelming your system. Everyone, like, here's lactate acid, lactic acid and all that. Well, you are taking on a massive amount of lactate, and if your body can't process it, that's your body slamming the door in your face. So smaller chunks with longer rest is one way to do it. There's, uh, I like 30-30 intervals, but with the 30-30 intervals for 30 minutes, it's quite a doozy. You really got to fine-tune where you can sustain. So the first time is a lot of trial and error and a lot of hit and miss, but the... so. You're going to go for 30 seconds on the bike and pedal. Try to hit a consistent RPMs for every interval. 
But if you're blowing up at 96 RPMs, I would, the first time I do it, I would probably sit at like 65 RPMs and see if your body can recover every in just 30 seconds from those 65. So those are just two little things you can do. There's a bunch of other stuff we can play with, but those two things, it's not about like a trainer telling you, here's how you're going to ride the bike. It's about you figuring out for yourself strategies, mental strategies, really, of, okay, what can I sustain? And that Roger Bannister effect I mentioned with Brian Cordy, um, the, what do you believe you can do? If you know you die at 96 RPMs every time, then you're always going to continue to die at 96 RPMs every time. When you hit 94, you're like, okay, I'm about to blow up. 95, almost here, 96, boom. So you need to break through that barrier by, you can hit 96, but then stop before you crash and then rest and then hit it again and hit it again. And then eventually at 96, won't feel like that much. Cause like I've done it a few times now, I didn't die. And then you try a little harder and you hit 98 and you're like, oh, I didn't die. But then you'll have like a quantum leap and like, oh, I hit 110. That's a really big jump compared to how you were. Uh, That's really, really good. So, you know, even the seat tips, you know, making sure that your seat is set right. It does sound like you've done a ton of volume on the bike, but I love those intervals. I, I would like to try that 30, 30 for 30 minutes. And I'd like to just test that, uh, test that limit. I would like to. You might need to. Okay. I need to. I need to if I'm going to. Uh, you know, go beyond average, right? So that those are some really great tips. That's awesome. I uh, appreciate that, Ricardo. You were probably looking for some more uh, uh, things along those lines. Well, I, you know, part of uh, one of the things where you really stood out, uh, obviously, was being able to hit that bike consistently at 15 seconds. Which, again, even among professionally athlete, elite athletes, that's standing out. And to do it, whatever you did, eight times there, or six times in three days. Yes. Eight times, was it? Yeah, seven. Seven. Uh, and and not only to do that, what was very impressive is, uh, you know, you did your elite race, and a few hours later, you'd come back and do a team race, either as co-ed or male, and then you came back through and won another championship back-to-back uh, against everyone i mean it was an open field so there's other elite racers you won was it co-ed first and you, or male first that came back as co-ed uh co-ed first and then now but yeah uh, and the break between that was zero just came right back <laughs> right back to the starting gate and then mm-hmm. won another world championship 10 minutes later uh of which nine and a half was racing i mean it was just a <laughs> Um, so your, your accomplishments in that are amazing. Uh, and, and what I found impressive because I was refing a lot over those three days is how many people were coming through with those underdog name of Jim, uh, Kevin's Jim is underdog and how many people were coming through with those underdog shirts on and they were placing high, they were top 10 or competing for the podium, you know, and time and time again, we were seeing them through. And so. It's not just that you have unlocked that for yourself, uh, but you've managed to put together the right kind of training to help your clients really be able to compete at a very high level. So what do you think helps you stand out in that space? I think one of the big things for me, I guess, is I don't want to claim that I'm like a talent scout for the Yankees or whatever, because I'm not out recruiting like, oh, you could be good. Come with me. But I'm always keeping an eye out to see like 
who who's around me. And when people do come to our events and you guys host events, you know, like you get people, you know, and you get a lot of people you don't know. And you just kind of like have a good event, make sure they have a great experience. And whether you see them or not, again, you want them to leave like, wow, that was great. So I do that. But as I'm meeting people, I'm looking, I kind of like know what to look for. Like, all right, this person is bigger and stronger. So I'm going to like, Hey, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And I start to get to meet them. Like, have you done DECA before? No. All right. Hey, I don't know if you want a tip, but if I can give you a tip from someone who's done a few of these, based on your build, based on your experience, you should probably like take it really easy initially and then save your power for the back app. Or you have like a running athlete in the, in the mile and fit, like, Hey, don't kill yourself on the stations because otherwise you're not going to be able to run and the run for you is going to be your strength. So you don't want to compromise your strength by trying to smash something you have no experience in like the rower. <laughs> Everyone seems to want to hit the rower as hard as they can. Um, so the athletes I have worked with, um, you get a little more time with them. Like Josh Gonzalez, unfortunately couldn't make it to deck worlds because he had some uh, obligations with the army. Uh, thanks for his service, but they, he couldn't, he couldn't come. I met him at our event. He ran a 20 minute deck a mile. And Jess is like, she, I got to give her a lot of credit too, because she has an eye for people and their strengths as well. But she's like, you need to go talk to Josh. He just ran a 20 minute deck a mile and he works out at Planet Fitness. And I'm like, what? How the heck did he do that? Like, he's got talent. If we just mold him a little bit, he's going to do great. So he, he uh, ran a bunch of elite fits this year. He podiumed. Uh, qualified for elite for the deck of fit. Unfortunately, like I said, he couldn't compete at worlds, but, but just the, the other athletes, like we all have strengths and weaknesses. And it's not like I found a bunch of diamonds in the rough. It's just about figuring out what each person's strengths naturally are. And then teaching them how to leverage those during the DECA. And then the stuff that they're weak at, because we all have weaknesses. It's like, okay, well, if you're going to be really strong at this, let's figure out how to make sure your weaknesses don't hurt you so much. So that way you uh, have your strengths available to you. And my, that's how I execute my game plan to win the deck of strong elite. Um, because I, I can out row most of them and I can probably ski with at least the top half of them. Skiing is not my strength, but I know I can out bike all of them. But if I try to race them in the row and the ski, my bike's not going to be as good as it is. So if you watch the the video on YouTube, they're like, what? And even the commentators know it's like, what kind of form is that? And they're like making fun of my form on the ski. And then one of them mentions like, he's pretty dialed into everything. I think he knows what he's doing. I don't know what he's doing, but I think he does. And then after the bike, they're like, oh my God, you figured something out. And I just conserved as much energy as I could on those early stations so that the bike, I could use that as my like launching point to pass everybody. So it's what not a, they, that obviously worked for me, but I mean, what were they commenting oh, on for this skier? If, if you've ever used this skier, you pull high and then you pull down. And a lot of times people like bend in half and their heads like kind of between their knees because they're trying to get as much power as possible uh, to get as many meters and go as fast as they can. Um, I did get some power, but I did most of my ski standing straight up and just swinging my arms, not even bending my hips. Why did I do that? Because my heart, when it goes below my knees, jacks up my blood pressure and drives my heart rate up, as it does with all of us. But if I keep my, I try to keep my, and if you've ever sprained your ankle, you know exactly what I'm talking about because if your leg is on the ground, it's throbbing. But if you get it up, it stops throbbing. So if I keep my head above my heart, then I wouldn't use as much, uh, my heart rate wouldn't go up as much. It would keep me relaxed. 
and then the triceps and 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 um and lats i knew that i can row or ski on a pace that i needed to to stay in the game so when i got off of that i could do the farmers and then get to the bike and so on right and, how long does it normally take you to do the skier uh depending on the discipline and most people overlook this as well the discipline should determine how much time it takes you on the machine not the bike but the the ski in the row so on the strong i'm doing the skier in like 155 in the fit i'm like 205 i can go faster but sure. it i'm not gonna be able to run so i may as well just try not to hurt anymore and if i make up five seconds on the ski i'm not i'm losing 15 seconds on the run but in the relay, I'm skiing 130. So you strike me as a guy that could easily do the skier in about a minute. So it's interesting to hear your strategy as somebody that's going to take around two minutes to do that because, well, you have a strategy to conserve for other things. And as you were just describing, even with your form to make sure that you're not messing anything up with your blood pressure. Um, so I got to ask you this, uh, you know, for our listeners, because we talked a little bit about the training that you're doing, and it sounds like you are a bit of a, t- a talent scout. You are discovering people. You you can spot them. Uh, what's the most critical workout that you do? Like if you had to choose only one, you know, this is the only workout. I mean, some people are doing EMOM. Some are doing double decas. Uh, some are, you know, really think that their days on their low heart rate uh, training days are super important, you know, like. What do you think is the most critical workout to your training? Uh, I have like five that come to mind, but you got to right, pick one. Five. What the heck? So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll give you a couple. So one is, uh, one is I call it deck and agility station. So it's basically like overclocking the deck of station. And the point is, and I discovered this through Strive. Um, if you went to deck of worlds, you saw these this tent with these shorts that you wear and it has a little... Um, chip that goes into it and it goes to an app and it tells you what muscles you're activating so i wore them in orlando so i got all this data from that race and what i learned was we're using way, way more quads in deca than i expected or that i realized and if you're not training your quad endurance then that's going to fail because you're using it in the lunges you're using it in the row the box they get a break on the sit-ups and the ski but then you're using it on the farmers you're definitely using it on the bike you're not really using it on the dead balls, but you're using it like crazy on the tank and then the burpees, everything. So that is most station. And the, um, I guess this, <laughs> that steers me away from the first workout I was going to tell you, but I'll, I'll come back to that. So, um, doing a lot of quad volume, but in a way that protects your knees. Like some people lunge with their knee all the way out over their toes and they get pain because they're not doing it right. So, I mean, having a coach to look at your form and tell you what you look like is way more valuable than you trying to figure it out yourself. And let, I mean, you can take a video, but you need that real-time feedback. So um, doing a lot of quad endurance stuff, lunges, 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 lunges. Um, we'll build that. And then the overclocking piece would be like breaking down the agility station, which I consider the stations that are not the machines. So take out the row, ski, bike, and tank. So the other six. So you got ram reverse lunges. If 30 ram reverse lunges at your race weight is hard, then you're not going to be able to go fast. You're going to be tipping over and you're going to use a lot of weight. You're going to lose a lot of energy because of wasted movement patterns. So 
practice building up your volume with weights that are lighter and get your movement pattern down first before you try to do a ton of volume at a higher one. Now, every athlete's different. So some people are, I have huge quads and I can go all day. Great. Well, there's other, you're going to benefit from the next piece. So start lighter, do a bunch of reps, but do them perfect. Because the more perfect reps you do, the more that becomes your norm. And then when your brain's in race mode and you're not thinking about how am I moving, your body's going to default to optimal race uh, to movement patterns. Then it's like a four-part workout. So you do lightweight, then you do race weight. You're not trying to go fast. You're just trying to use the same movement pattern you just developed with the lighter weight. Then after, and it's not like a specific number of reps. If you start breaking form, then you're done. That's your set. It might be 10 or 15. And eventually you want to build that up to 40 or 50 or even more reps because your body is developing more muscular endurance. Set threes with a weight higher than your race weight. So if you're up for that, it might only be a few reps if you're not up for that. But you're for the men, instead of doing a 55-pound lunge, you're doing... Well, I don't have a 66 pound Ram. I know they, I've heard they exist, but I don't have one. So I'll just throw a barbell and put some weights on the barbell. I'm doing reverse lunges with a higher weight. So 65, 75, 85, 95, whatever. And then you're just, again, you're getting more reps at higher weight, but grooving that perfect movement pattern. And that's going to basically tell your central nervous system, like, Hey, that 55 pound Ram is not that heavy. This is heavy. That 55 pound Ram is light. So now after you've tricked your brain into thinking 55 pounds is light, you put your 65 pound reverse lunge bar down, pick up your 55 again, and then same movement pattern, but now you can go a little bit faster because the movement patterns there is smooth. Now you can pick up the pace. But I think too many people try to go fast initially, and then they're each step back's in a different spot. And the the analogy I like to use is if you ever watch football, and yesterday it's Sunday, watch the field goal kicker. They always do the same exact thing. They come out, they look down, they take three steps back, then they step to the left, and then they have a half step back. Now, some of them are not exactly the same as the next kicker, but that same kicker does the same approach every single time. And their kicking percentage is ridiculously high because it's constant, constant, constant. Because that's what they can control. They can't control the snap, they can't control the hold, but they can control where they're standing and they know how to... They're taking one step with their non-kicking foot and then they're kicking with their other foot. So if you think about that, take that approach to each station, the lunges we talked about, but you apply that to every other agility station and that's going to help you groove those movements so it becomes less of a stressor in your body. It's not costing you as much energy. And I don't speak this from theory, but those shorts, I have them now and I've done this and the it has a measure of like muscle load and then I forget what the other thing is. There's two, re- but like muscle load and muscle performance. So if your performance is high and your load's low, that's great because it's you're getting this much bang for your buck and it's only costing you this much. If it's the opposite, which is most people, you're getting a tiny bit of performance with a huge cost. So as you train, they get closer together. And as you continue to train and optimize, then it becomes a bargain. So that's those are, those are my, my two workouts. Your two workouts, I, I love it. You know, lunge, 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 and I love the light, the race weight, the heavier rate. Uh, definitely using, uh, perfecting the movement before you know worrying about your your increased load. I think that's really good. Those are some good tips. Um, so it sounds like you're taking the machines out. You're working on agility. Uh, you said five workouts came to mind. Uh, what's been the most critical for you becoming a champion? 
Um, well, like I said before, like the low hanging fruit, when I work with anybody, I need to know what their paces are on the machines and everything really. Cause I know kind of the prep where, what range they should be in and the machines don't make that much of a difference. It's just a matter of where they are. So I'll give them a test and then I take what I learned from that test and I'm like, all right, we don't have to do much with that anymore. We already have that dialed in. Your fitness on the machines is going to come, but it's slower and over time. You have a race in two weeks, your machine fitness is not going to change. But what we can change is movement patterns. And if we, that's low hanging fruit, it doesn't cost, I mentioned this earlier, it doesn't cost more fitness to get faster. It just more awareness and movement patterns are going to cut your time down. And it's also not going to hurt as much. If you come sprinting out of the gate on your lunges, you're going to start taking on lactate. You can't breathe. You have nine stations left. But if you can delay the onset of that that muscle burn and your heart rate getting sky high, this is exactly what I did at, at Worlds. I lunged fast because I knew I could get away with it because I did all those workouts. I'm like, if I could do 50 reverse lunges with 95 pounds, 55 pounds is not going to challenge me at 30 reps. And then the row, I got on there and like, just chill. I'm just on a nice lazy river right now, pulling ridiculously slow compared to what my abilities are. But I knew what that target was going to be. And the box and the sit-ups and the ski. So by the time I got to the bike, everybody else was burning. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll start racing now. And that freshness was able was how I was able to finish the race strong. But And you know what? It didn't hurt as much. I was dead on the ground at the end, but I was like, this is it. This is my chance to like be the champion. But when I do that in training and I, I finish... Um, I'm not completely dead. I did a time. I did. I went to a local gym a week before Worlds and ran a 10:48, which was the second best time ever. And I finished the race and I didn't lay on the floor. I, I finished my 20th rep. I put it down. I was out of breath, but I was like, "Wow, that's all good." I I wasn't completely distraught because I waited until the seventh station to start trying really really hard and tipping over the red line. So, um, also you asked a question earlier that I forgot to answer. But how does it feel to do the bike in 15 seconds? I can tell you suffering on the bike for two minutes sucks. I don't want to suffer for two minutes. It hurts. It doesn't matter how slow I go like, oh, two minutes. But if you can get all that suffering done in just 15 seconds, like I said before, we can all smash something really hard in 20 to 30 seconds before you blow up. So once I started getting closer to that, I was like, well, hmm, do I want to like dog it for and just settle for 40 seconds or should I push it a little bit more and get off before I like really take on that lactate. So flirting around that 30 second window, it used to be like, all right, one day I'll hit it harder and get 30. And the next day I'll take it easier and get 40. But I kept coming off the bike feeling just as crappy. So I'm like, why don't I get a little faster? But now as it's well under 30 seconds, like, okay, well, yeah, it's hard. My heart rate's high, but I didn't just pound myself for a minute and a half. It was only a 15 second burst. If you run from here to the mailbox in 15 seconds, you're not going to collapse in the, in the, in the grass after. So. And you gave us some great training tips for achieving that 15 second ride. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing that 15 seconds, since you took us back there and I appreciate that. Do you start from the seat? Are you coming out of the seat? How important is the pushing and pulling to you in that 15 seconds. I mean, is everything just ripping? And I mean, I gotta believe it is. I gotta believe the bike's shaking. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. So I like to take a slower approach to the start because I found that when you get on and you start pedaling, I'm sitting down, by the way. But when you start pedaling, you hear the beep. And even if you press start, you hear the beep, but you pedal 
and your calories don't even start. The clock doesn't even start. So I'm like, in my head, I just had this epiphany one day. I'm like, why am I working so hard when it doesn't count? Let me just take it easy. And then I'll go and it starts counting. But then I'm like, also, all right, when we start more driving, we don't stop at a stop sign. We do a rolling stop. Why? Because it's faster to start again versus stop complete and then go. I'm like, all right, I'll get on and I'll pedal easy for a few pedals. I'll get the fan moving. So I'm going from a rolling start. And then once it starts reading, I'll start ramping up. I don't go zero to flooring it immediately, but I'll build up and I'll build up and I'll build up. So I'll go from moving a little bit to like 50 RPMs to 60 to 80 to 90. I'm really touching like 120 plus for a few seconds, but all that energy that comes out during that top end is knocking off like five calories, like per pedal. So that's kind of the approach that I've figured out works best for me. And Mike that I mentioned earlier, he's a little smaller than me, but he took second at Deck of Worlds because he passed everybody on the bike taking my strategy from just an hour before. He sat, 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 and kicked. And then he ended up getting caught by the guy, Chaz, from our team that got the triple crown. So I was like, oh, my God, Mike's in the first. Uh, like, ah, he passed. Oh, it's Chaz. <laughs> and then the two of them just came across the finish line first and second. Like, wow, we're good at strong. <laughs> I love it that this – yeah, bubbles. You you do this in fifteen seconds, and you're like, I start off slow. I mean, that's so- <laughs> it's not the answer you expected. I'm sure. Yeah, right, right, right. No, like, well, imagine if you start off. Well, we already know what happens there. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to imagine somebody fifteen seconds of any part of that is slow. You know, but uh, that's really <laughs> interesting. Well, what should we have asked that we haven't asked yet, Ricardo or or Kevin? If you feel like there's something that we should have already covered that we didn't. Well, I just want to say, you know, we're seeing here, uh, I think that one of the big secrets uh, to the success here is, uh, you know, again, if you see Kevin, he's got this physical presence of this big hulking mass of a man. And uh, it's a disguise. I tell my people, and I've said this to him before, it's a disguise for a superhero. He's just (laughs) always, always digging into the science and how can it be done better and which energy system are we going to use and how we're going to train that energy system and what's the most efficient way and the timing and uh, just really never satisfied with conventional wisdom or conventional methods, but it's going to dig into it, uh, not in an ad hoc way, but in a very meticulous uh, way of what is going to be the best approach to this. And uh, that's why I'm super excited. Uh, for February, when you come out here and we have that seminar together. Yeah, Ricardo, talk about it. When's it? Columbia City, Indiana, Journey 333. Yeah. Coming. Bumpers yeah. will be there, maybe with his mask. Uh, <laughs> I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> Give us the dates. Give us the times. Give us the lowdown of what's happening that weekend. So February 23rd, that's a Friday, and uh, we're going to have that one kick off at 7 p.m. So if you're coming down and you want to race, uh, you know, earlier in the evening and then get the seminar, or if you're coming down, we'll do the seminar that night and then race Saturday morning. Um, you're welcome to do that. We also are going to, uh, have another seminar at 11. That's kind of in the middle of what's happening on Saturday. Uh, he's going to put on another seminar and you want to register ahead of time because part of the registration process is a link to a Google form, and he's got some things he wants you to do as homework 
uh, to be prepared and to come in with numbers. Because like I said, he's, uh, he's really into the science. So he's wanting you to come in with some numbers so that that seminar will be uh, maximally effective for helping you improve your time. Really good. Really good. Uh, that's exciting stuff. And uh, Kevin, you actually have an event coming up at your location. Correct. That Underdog Fitness in Wallingford, Connecticut, January 27th, we're having the DECA Strong. I think also it's the first DECA Strong Ruck, so I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully being the best DECA Strong Ruck athlete at the gym, so that way I can grab that world record real quick before anyone else gets a chance at it. But we have a, quite a few people signed up for it, and I haven't done any uh, rucking in a while, so I'll be challenging. And Jared Newby is not that far away, so... You might get word and show up, and then that would be uh, that would be quite a quite a show to watch. Uh, but we also have the Decker Strong team. So my big focus this year as a gym is obviously develop my athletes to have a better year than they did last year, go after their goals and whatnot. But I'm really trying to put more teams together of our athletes because we have all these great athletes, but most of them didn't really dive into teams last year in a way where they wanted to compete at Worlds. And like we talked about earlier with the age group, they don't have to be cyborg teams or taking two elites and smashing them together. We got age group athletes getting together and, and qualifying there. So I'm just trying to mix and match and stir and teaching. I did, I had five different partners at Jack of worlds this year and I won four of those. So each of those athletes was a different athlete. So I had to meticulously change my strategy with each one. And then the disciplines changed because some of them I had to run, some of them I didn't. So using that experience I have to teach my athletes how to game plan with one another and figuring out where their strengths are. And Ricardo mentioned the the homework. That's huge for me because you, if you've taken an undergrad, if you have a, a general or um, an undergrad degree from a college, you have a bachelor's degree, you learned all this theoretical stuff and now you're going to go start a job. But if you have a master's degree, you learned while you were doing you did some you learned some you did some you learned some and then you're able to apply it way more effective in my uh experience so if you come to if, if you haven't ever done deca strong and you come you're gonna learn a ton your learning curve is you're gonna learn so much but if you've done deca anything and you do the homework and you bring me your numbers i'm gonna look at them i'm gonna teach you how to look at them and i'm gonna help you figure out how to better yourself the same way I'm going to just give you my brain and like, here, this is how I interpret your numbers, what you need to work on, what you don't need to work on, how much effort to put in per week is my training. And everyone's like, you must've trained like hundred hours a week. I'm like, no, I really didn't train that much. I mean, on average, maybe an hour a day, five, six days a week, a couple of days, maybe a little longer, but I'm training for an 11 minute race. So I don't need to put in five hour workout days every day. But if you know what you're doing, you can be effective with your time and efficient with your time. And then you actually have time to recover. So if you're recovering, your top end performance is better. Instead of just beating yourself down, beating yourself down, beating yourself down, beating yourself down. Then you're like, I don't know why I didn't PR this week. Well, like, well, you've been nonstop. You did 18 hit workouts in 18 days, and then you show up at the race. So, uh, lots, lots to learn. Very excited to to share and and whatnot at at that clinic. And it's uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be very eye opening for all of us. Me as a as a person. As I'm teaching different people, it's teaching me new things because I'm not that athlete. So I'm like, okay, this is their situation. How do I get them to move forward? And then, oh, this athlete's different. I haven't experienced that yet. Here's a couple things that I would do with you. And then, um, you know, as a trainer, Ricardo's got a ton of experience. So when he's there, he's going to say something and it's going to give me an epiphany. I'm like, 
why didn't I never think of this? This is great. So I'm looking forward to learning from the athletes, the other trainers, the other, and everybody there. And, uh, just come to spread my ideas and see like what I can do to, to elevate everyone's game. That sounds like an awesome value. Uh, makes me want to come to Columbia city on February 23rd there. That that's awesome. And of course, going to underdog gym would also be fantastic. That is January 27th, January 27th. Going to have the first rock strong event. That's awesome. And you're right. Jared newbie, boy, he's a contender right there. That's a, that's a guy to watch. Uh, he's come to some of our journey events. Uh, how can people follow you to get more of you, Kevin? Yeah. So, uh, Instagram is the best place. Uh, so my personal Instagram is bubbles, the clown. It has an E at the end. So that way I'm differentiated from all the funny clowns. And then the gym is underdog underscore fitness us. Uh, and we also have a YouTube page with a lot of great resources. If you can find us, it's underdog or yeah, underdog fitness, uh, on YouTube. And there's some good stuff on there as well. That covers a lot of things we covered today, but in a video or fashion. So a little easier to digest than just me getting excited and rambling on. Yes. And for our listeners, if you forget these dates or, you know, need to find a DECA event near you, just go to DECA.fit. You can Google it by state or, you know, by event. Uh, Ricardo, anything, uh, any final words? Well, you know, when you come to hear uh, about all of this, the great things about how you can improve your training, uh, you might as well ride a few decades while you're there, 23rd and 24th. We've got the strong, the mile on a totally indoor course. We've got strong and mile ruck. We've got strong and mile teams. So just all kind of possibilities. Show up, have fun, uh, burn a few calories, maybe even have a few Christmas cookies to burn off still. So, you know, <laughs> more than one race. And uh, we're just going to have a great time. Come on out. Awesome. Awesome. Really good. Well, uh, thank you guys for both being here today. Uh, Ricardo, I appreciate you co-hosting. And, and Kevin, thank you uh, for just being so generous with your time and sharing so much. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Travis and, and Ricardo. I appreciate it. And really excited to meet all the listeners. I think one of the big things that keeps me going is when I go to fits and even local gym events and people tell me that they found my content somewhere and it's helped them. And I'm like, that's great. Tell me more of what you want because I'm running out of ideas, but I'm happy to 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 answer, like I said, answer messages and stuff. So that uh just uh that feedback keeps me going. So thanks for having me. Really awesome. You're awesome and we appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah! Come